Hey, of all the things you've got going on today, thank you for including us in your day. Welcome to The Quest. It's always good to be together. Also, we want to thank everyone and welcome everyone who might be checking us out today. If you're checking us out, we're really glad you're with us. Now, before we get into the talk today, I just want to pray with you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm so grateful that God does. God knows this intimately. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows the circumstances of your life, but He also knows the emotional challenges of your life. And, and I want to encourage you to make that connection today. I want to encourage you to relinquish whatever it is that you're holding on to. It may be it's control, or maybe it's that you just have a desired outcome, but you don't really trust God with His desired outcome. There, there's a lot of different things. Maybe it's you're not really believing that God can and will provide for you. I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that God knows you intimately and He wants to provide for you. We're going to look at that even a little bit today. So let's do me a favor. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so very much for your presence that is with us at all times. And Father, right now at this moment, we just quiet ourselves. We turn our attention to you. We cast our cares to you. We relinquish the control of our lives for your will in our lives. Father, I ask that you would give us faith today for the challenges that we face, that you would give us peace that we need, that you would give us the joy and the strength that we need for life. And Father, you know each individual that's watching, you know the challenges that they're facing, and I pray that you would step in to their circumstances. I pray that you would step into their lives and that they would feel your presence. And Father, that you would give them the strength that they need, the faith they need, the peace and the joy, that you would give to us all the strength that we need. And Father, today we just turn to you and ask that you would speak into our lives. You know what we need to hear. And so I ask that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. Thank you for each person listening. Bless them today. Bless their families today. And Father, as they have made you a priority in their day, I ask that you would make yourself real to them as you honor and love them. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're in a great series that we've entitled Summer 11. Summer at the Quest is always a time that we reconnect and reevaluate with how well are we loving as a church. How are we loving as individuals? It's kind of a, a love tune-up, if you will. Are we loving God as we should? Are we loving others the way that God wants us to love? See, we want to not just be a friendly church. We want to love well. We want to love deeply. We want to love people effectively. So we ask these questions. Are we extending to others what we have received from God? Again, are we loving well and are we loving intimately and deeply in people's lives? Do we care about people? Does our heart reflect a heart of compassion for people? See, we effectively love people when we open our hearts to others. We want to love well, and as I said, we want to be a church that is known for how well we love. Paul writes about this kind of love in 1 Corinthians. He, he tells us what God's love looks like. And it's not just God's love, but this love is the love that God is producing in our lives. And he says it this way. He says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects and it always trusts. It always hopes and it always perseveres. 
See, God's love in us touches the people around us. God's love in us displays God to those around us. In fact, Jesus even points out that how we love each other really matters. He said it this way. He said, your strong love for each other will prove to the world. It's going to show the world that you are my disciples. So I want us to get that. How we love really does matter. How we love each other really does matter. The love that God is shaping in us is different than the love that is in the world. It's different than our natural love. It is a supernatural love because it is created by God himself. I want to get this really well for myself personally. I'm sure that you do too. When I say that I love somebody, I don't want to get frustrated with people. I want patience to be a part of my life. I want to be reminded that we all have flaws. We all make mistakes. I can't expect perfection out of other people. And I really want to work on this issue that my patience with others displays my awareness of God's patience with me. And I want to live in that towards other people. Also, when it comes to loving others, I want my love to be kind. I never want there to be an attitude in me that prevents God's kindness coming from me. I want the actions of my life to display that I care about others, that I really care. And so as we go through these attributes of what love is, I want us to apply them to our lives so that we're not just going through the motions. Our love is not just empty, but it is powerful because we're in touch with what God's love actually looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then what we're looking at today is love does not envy. So what is envy? Webster says that envy is a feeling of discontent, a resentful longing that is aroused by what other people might have, the good fortune that other people might be receiving, or maybe just who other people are. Envy can be about the possessions that other people have, the conditions of their life, even about who they are as a person, the qualities that they have as a person, internally as well as externally. But here's the thing, one of the reasons why envy is so bad, and you can write this down, envy fails to recognize God's blessings in our lives personally. We're so focused on what others have that we tend to fail to recognize all that we have been blessed with. It's hard because we live in a materialistic world, a superficial world. It's promoted by social media. It's where people post the highlights of their life. They post the very best of what they want others to see. They don't show the arguments at home or the struggles that they face. We see pictures of them smiling in a setting that we would love to experience. Here's what we need to remember. Jesus came to give us new life. Not a better life, but brand new life. And that new life is a different life. And so here's why I'm mentioning that. Envy is not a part of that new life that God has for us. Envy is a part of the old life our natural life, the natural process of how we live without God. In fact, listen to the scripture of what it says. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. The new life that God is shaping within us by the Holy Spirit 
has nothing to do with envy. So I want to look at some biblical definitions of what envy looks like. And the first one you can write down is this. It is resenting God's goodness in the lives of others. Feelings of bitterness and being annoyed and jealous at the blessings of God in the lives of others. Basically, what we're saying is something that I think is really terrible. You can write it down too. It's I deserve what God has given to you more than you deserve it. See, envy has a lot to do with pride and entitlement within us where we internally evaluate ourselves over others. Remember, we can't love others if we think we're better than others. Envy prevents the love that God wants to display through us. And this is how envy prevents us from loving others. You can write it down. We look at others through a lens of selfishness. See, when we look at others through this lens of selfishness, we're not happy when others are blessed. We're not happy when they're happy. We want to be blessed. We want to be the one that is envied by others. See, Romans says it this way. It says that we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But envy can't rejoice with others because envy is more concerned with ourselves than with others. We can't celebrate for others. We only want to celebrate ourselves because envy is selfish. We can't love others when we're focused on ourselves. Another reason envy prevents us from loving others is this. We look at others through a lens of competition. We tend to get our self-worth from keeping up with the Joneses. Our self-worth becomes based on things and possessions and having more than others. It's, it's more than having things. It's believing that we deserve these things, or that we are better than others. So we should have these things. We should have the things that they have. In Philippians, it says this, it says, When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Here's another reason that envy prevents us from loving others, and that's this. We look at others through a lens of bitterness. See, I believe that the way that this works is this way. We project our emotions on others. In other words, if they have more than us, if they have what we want, then they must think that they're better than us. When really, it's our issue, not their issue. We're projecting our selfishness onto others. We, we think that they are responding the way we would be responding. There's no way that we can love others with a heart of envy. Truthfully, love and envy cannot coexist. Because to love someone is to wish for their highest good. To not only desire the best for others, but to seek for the best to happen in the lives of others. To envy someone is to wish bad things upon them rather than good things for them. Here's another part of the biblical definition of envy, and it's this. Ignoring God's goodness in our own lives. I kind of alluded to that at the beginning. Believe it or not, envy is a spiritual issue. And when we allow envy into our lives, what we're doing is we're ignoring God's goodness in our own lives. James says it this way. It says, but if you harbor bitterness, envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic even. See, envy sets us up against God who loves us and cares about us. Envy ignores God's activity in our lives and God's blessings on our lives. 
And basically what we're saying is this, you could write it down. What God has blessed me with is not enough. This is the ugliness of that kind of a statement. We may know that God has blessed us, but regardless of what we know, internally we feel like it's not good enough. So we disregard God's goodness. King David reminds himself of the access he has to God's goodness. It safeguards his heart from a heart of envy. And he says this, he says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. For he forgives all of my sins and he heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He doesn't just acknowledge that God is good. He gets specific with the goodness of God. And he even acknowledges all of the good that happens in his life comes from God. See, when you take these definitions into account, what you come up with is this, and you can write it down. Envy degrades others and dismisses God's goodness. It dismisses God's blessings because it's focused on how others have been blessed, not how God has personally blessed us. We don't even consider that God cares for our needs and that God looks after the needs of our lives and that God has provided for the needs of our lives. We're focused on what God has blessed others with. Envy wants the blessings that others have received rather than the blessings that we have received. And we can't love God when we're out of touch and are unable to recognize his blessings in our lives when we are no longer able to appreciate his blessings in our lives. See, we can't love others when all we see in them is what we want from them. See, envy affects how we see others. It affects how we see God. It affects how we see ourselves. And here's what happens. Pride is present when love is absent. Pride is turning the actions of love that we should have for others back towards ourselves. We ignore others because we're focused on ourselves, not others. We're not even focused on God. Philippians 2.3 again says this, Don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. See, when our love is misdirected, pride will naturally come in and take over our lives. And here's why you can write this down. Envy is a heart problem. At the heart of the problem is the problem of our heart. When we allow our lives to be controlled and governed by our sinful nature rather than by God's Spirit, that's when we have problems. And listen to what it says in Galatians. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Those are the expression of our lives when we follow our own sinful desires, our own sinful nature. See, the Apostle Paul knew the secret of keeping his heart free of envy. And he writes it this way. He says this, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. I know how to live in poverty or prosperity. No matter what the situation, I've learned the secret of how to live when I'm full or when I'm hungry, when I have too much or when I have too little. See, the problem or the issue is envy is never satisfied. It always wants more. It always wants what others have, regardless of what you and I currently possess. 
it's just never enough. When Paul uses this word content, what he means is this. The word content means the ability to see our current situation as sufficient or enough. It's to be satisfied in life. And what Paul is saying is, God provides enough for me. See, envy causes us to be unsatisfied in life. It causes us to be unsatisfied with life. For many people, their current condition is not good enough. And we tend to naturally live with a sense of dissatisfaction. In Psalms, King David writes that God is aware of our days. He has his eyes on those who love him. He's aware of the conditions that we live in. And I love that it says this. Listen, in Psalms, it says, He cares for them when times are hard. Even in famine, they will have enough. Man, don't miss that. Because what he's saying is enough means, you write this down, it's not about how much we have, but the satisfaction with what we have. We are probably the most blessed people that have ever lived. We have so much, but we also tend to be unsatisfied with all that we have. See, the phone that we have is only good enough until the newest model comes out. And then all of a sudden, what is good enough is no longer good enough. It no longer satisfies. We, in our natural sense, have this tendency to look to things to satisfy us. When really God is the only one who can satisfy us. He's the only one that can satisfy our lives. In Psalms, once again, King David says it this way. He says, for he, God, satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. See, we'll never have satisfaction in life without intimacy with the one who's provided life. And something you can write down is this. It's not about getting what we want, but trusting that God knows what we need. See, here's the thing. Do we trust that God knows what we need? Not just for today, but tomorrow, next week, next month. And that not only that he's aware of it, but that he will provide for those needs. Jesus says this, don't be concerned about what you will eat and what you will drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't miss that. God's going to provide everything you need when our focus is on the right thing. And when our focus is on his kingdom, loving God loving people. See, your Heavenly Father knows your needs and He's going to meet your needs. Put Him first in all that you do and trust Him with all of your circumstances. Let that trust remove the worry in your life and let it give you life. Last one, enough means this. It's not about what we don't have. It's accepting that what God has provided for us is sufficient. And I feel like this is a huge one. Does what God provides for you satisfy you. The very nature of God is that he is generous and caring. That like a father provides for his kids, God provides for us. King David writes it again in Psalms. He says, the Lord is the provider of my life. Is God the provider of your life? Do you Are you in touch with his provisions? But not only aware of them, do they satisfy you? Sometimes we tend to act like spoiled kids. We're not happy with what our parents have given us. We're not happy with what God has given to us. God doesn't provide bad gifts. He gives us the best. And he doesn't just give us little bits. Scripture says that this way, that God will generously provide all you need. Man, I want to encourage you to keep those scriptures close. 
When you're fearful or worried, read them. Pray them back to God. Remind yourself of what God has said in His Word. Let it challenge you to trust God. Remember this, that we will never experience enough in life until God is the one who satisfies our lives. It's so easy to replace God with stuff, with things, things that wear out, things that break down, things that fall apart. God never lets you down. He never walks off and leaves you. And he satisfies the desires of your life. Paul said this, he learned the secret to being content. It's not a shortcut. It's not just for a few of us. It's for all of us if we were willing to change our focus. And the first secret to being content is this. Don't focus on the people around you. Focus on God within you. Focus on your provider, not the provisions of others. Philippians says that I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. I like how the message says it. It says, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. You can make it through anything in life when God is the focus of your life, when Jesus is the focus of your life. Another change in focus that we need is this. You write down, trust that God who cares for you will provide for you. I mean, we've got to set our hearts in motion that the needs of my life are going to be satisfied by the God in my life. We don't have to worry about where's this coming from, where's that coming from. We don't have to worry about why we don't have what we think we need. We have to be aware that God is going to provide all that we need. He's looking to generously bless you. He's looking to care for you. Paul says it this way. He says you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Man, I hope that you're in touch with that. I hope you're aware of that. But this brings up a really important point that I want you to write down. I think it's just so important for us. And it's this. God's blessings may not be complete in the moment, but we trust him knowing he is good and he is not finished. Are you aware of that? Do you know that what you have may not be complete, but whatever it is that you need is going to come from God because God's not finished giving to you what you need. We really do need to hear that today. We can either look at an uncertain future or we can look to a God who provides for the uncertain future. Keep your heart open to others. Don't worry about what others have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Be grateful for all that God has given to you. Rejoice with those that are blessed. Know that God is in the process of blessing you and he will always give you enough, always because God is the one who satisfies your life. You might be listening and not have a relationship with God, so there is no satisfaction that comes from God. If you want God to satisfy your life, then you've got to relinquish your life. You've got to surrender it and give it to Him. And I want to encourage you. There's no special words that you say, but you communicate to God for yourself. God, I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be the purpose of my life. And I want you to be the father of my life. I want to trust you. And you accept what your Heavenly Father has done for you through His Son Jesus on the cross. That He made you right with Him. You don't have to earn God's approval. Jesus did that for you. And by accepting what Jesus did on the cross, and by accepting that He not only conquered sin, but He also conquered death by coming back to life 
and being raised from the dead, that we too will be raised from the dead just as Jesus was because we put our faith in him. I want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and you know the needs of our lives. Father, you know that we first and foremost are spiritually depraved and we're spiritually void. We're spiritually empty. We're lacking without you. We need you to fill the emptiness of our lives. We need you to fill the void that you created for yourself in our lives. Father, today, for those that want this relationship with you and they want you to be the center of their life, they want you to be the father of their life, Father, I ask that you would help them. I ask that you would step in and that you would provide for them a sense of faith and a sense of joy and a sense of new purpose that, Father, you would not only forgive their sins, but you would step in and give their life new purpose and new meaning. Father, we all come to you and I ask that you would help us with this issue of envy that we tend to gravitate towards as we live in a superficial world, as we live in a materialistic world, that, Father, it's real easy to get distracted with the materialism that's in front of us. Father, may we be grateful for all that you've given to us. Father, may we be grateful for all your provisions in our lives. May we never look at what you've given as insufficient or not enough. But, Father, may we be content, content with all the blessings that you have blessed us with. Father, we just give that to you and ask that you would be glorified in our lives and that in this we would be able to love you and love others as we should because we're not focused on ourselves. We're focused on you and others. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I say this all the time, but this is a process. You're not going to perfect it, but we are going to grow in the knowledge of what it means to not envy, to live a, a life that is free of envy. And that is a growing process. And I just want to encourage you when you fail at it, that you recognize it and you move on, you grow from it. I want to encourage you that God is the provider in your life. And as we get in touch with that, that our lives become stronger. Listen, thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thank you again for making us a part of your day. I want to encourage you, get your focus on God. Get your focus on others and how you can bless them, not what they have. Remember, you can't love others when you're focused on what you're going to get from others or what you want from others. Get your eyes off of what they have and focus on how you can bless them. That's a life of love that God calls us all to. Listen, have a great rest of your day. God's very best to you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.